Good morning. How's everyone doing? Nice to see you, Jody and Fadi. Love birds. You got your wedding coming up. Let's give them a clap and let's pray they don't get COVID in Jesus' name. Um, yeah, just on that, on COVID, obviously it's a strange time and I think sometimes um, it's just important to recognise that faith isn't an unhealthy denial of what's going on. Um, there are challenges in the world, there are things going on, but it's recognising that in it, God will use it for his good and his glory if we let him. So um, that's definitely the posture that I think we need to be taking in this time. And um, yeah, as Sam said, we've, we're kind of in week three of our series, This Is Us, and uh, obviously a significant announcement a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, just being Echo Church, and so we're wanting to unpack what our vision is, what our values are, so that we're all clear, we're all on the same page, and we can all run with that uh, as a community. So um, just to recap where we've been, in the first week we talked about our name Echo, and um, just briefly what that looks to embody is that what God's doing in each of us as a community, as individuals, won't stop here, but we believe it's God's heart that it would go out, that it would go into our families, it would go into our workplaces, it would go into our community, and Jesus would be glorified. So um, that was week one. Last week we shared our vision. Can anyone recite it? Can anyone remember it? Can I bribe anyone? Sal Marie, can you remember it? No? <laughs> Christo? <laughs> so uh, our vision is to be a family becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus together. To be a family becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus together. And I just want to quickly recap that. So the first part says to be a family. Um, and we believe that's God's heart for his church. It's to be a spiritual family. The, the analogy he uses for his church is brothers and sisters. It's the family of God. And um, so as part of our vision, we've got a vision that we'd be a connected church, that we'd be together, that we would reflect a family in the way we love each other. Um, the second part says becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus, which really is the crux of our vision. We want to be a, a church where Jesus is at the center of our lives, where we're not living a, a cultural Christianity or um, a lukewarm Christianity, but where he's at the center of everything we're doing, where we're wanting to become more like him, we're wanting to reflect him to our world, we're wanting to spend time with him, we're, we're rich in spiritual practices, we're reading our word, we're praying, and we're becoming apprentices of Jesus together. Um, and that's the last part, together. You know, it's, uh, we live in quite an individualistic culture, but I think it's clear in the scriptures that God's heart for his church is that we'd be together, that we'd be together, that we'd be united, that we'd be on the same page, that we'd be in homes together, we'd be on the journey together. So that's something we're committed um, to doing. And so that was last week. This week we're going to be talking about our values. Um, and I think any time a vision's cast, any time a, a vision's kind of spoken forth, it's kind of like that's where we're going. And so I think the next question is, well, how are we going to get there? How, how are we going to make that vision a reality? And if a vision is where we're going, values are how are we are going to get there? And so our values are kind of uniquely um, planned to, to kind of complement our vision. So basically we ask the question, if we want to fulfill this vision, if we really don't want that to just be a statement, but if we want to reflect uh, a, a family that are becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus together, what do we as a community need to value? What are the things we need to value communally and individually to become that vision. And so we've got five values that, that we believe are really central to becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus. And each week we're going to spend a bit of time teaching on each value. We don't really want to rush through them. We, we believe they're all really important. And so um, today I'm going to start with the first value, uh, which is love uh, or aroha. Um, and I'm just going to pray before I start this morning. Dear Lord, uh, 
thank you for the gift of your church. Lord, we love you. Lord, would you teach each of us this morning through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So love, why have we chosen this value as our church? Why is it important uh, that we value love? You know, I think one of the reasons why it's important that we have love as a value is because love is the measure of heaven. Love is the measure of heaven. Quite often on earth we, we can measure people by their followings or their success or their giftings or how much they're doing or uh, the external, what things look like, but it's clear in the scripture that God's concerned about love. Jesus said, uh, they will know that you're my disciples by the way you love each other. That's almost the gold star above moving in power, above anything else. It was the way that we love each other. Um, and I think a passage in 1 Corinthians just really um, emphasizes how important love is in God's eyes. And um, I think the context of this just adds weight to it. The context of the scripture is the Corinthian church is zealous for spiritual gifts. They're, they're a vibrant church. They're a live church. They're, they're moving in power. They're kind of asking Paul about these spiritual gifts. And they've got all these questions for him. And he's kind of replying and, and telling them about them. And he says, they're a good thing. Pursue after them. God's given us gifts so that we can bless and edify each other but he ends that by saying but the higher thing to pursue is love and so I'm going to pick it up off 1st Corinthians 12 31 he says so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts desire the most helpful gifts and that's for us too we we talked about a few weeks ago about moving in power and it's 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 not for our own good but it's to bless each other so we should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And then in chapter 13, he goes on to say this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't have love, I would only be a noising gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, if I could speak in tongues, if I could prophesy, if I could do all of these things, but it wasn't without love, it would just be noise. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith, that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Now, I've kind of been reflecting on this, like seeing people operate in faith, it's something that I've always been pretty impressed with and something I've valued, but when you look at the scripture, it's just secondary to love. If I could move mountains by my faith, but didn't have love, it, it really wouldn't count for anything. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't have love, I would have gained nothing. You know, as a church, we can be doing charitable acts and deeds and serving our community, but if it doesn't have a motive of love, it counts for nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And then in verse 13, he goes on to say this, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And then in verse, uh, the next chapter, he starts off by saying, let love be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal, and not love for our community, for love to be our highest goal, for the way we love God, for the way we love people, to that, for that to be a guiding value where love is our highest goal, far beyond what we could accomplish for God, 
just the fact that we're becoming love, that we're becoming like Jesus, that we're reflecting his character, that we're reflecting his substance. Because when we have love as a value, it keeps our vision clear and pure. It keeps it about people. It keeps us from just becoming noise. It keeps us from just wanting to do great things from God. It actually keeps the motive about glorifying him. It keeps the motive about serving others. It keeps the motive about him. It protects our intentions and our actions. Because if I'm completely honest with you, there's a lot of times in my life where I've just been noise, where it's actually been about me, where it's been about uh, self-interest or self-promotion or, or my platform or um, and, and it's been futile and there's no reward there but the thing is is when I use Jesus definition of love I'm more concerned about others than myself it's about them it's about God it's about uh, pulling others forward and pulling others up so I guess this begs the question how do we do this how do we become love as a church and I think in order for us to become love we first need to know love it's, it's impossible for us to become love unless we know love. And, and we need to know love on two levels. Uh, the first thing is we need to know love on like a comprehension level, an understanding level. We need to actually have an accurate definition of what love is. We, we can't become something that we can't actually understand or, or define. And I've talked about it in weeks past. In our culture, a love can often be associated with feelings. You, you, we use the phrase, you fall in love or I'm in love, or you can fall in love, you can fall out of love, or you know you're in love when you feel it, or, or you could say the phrase, I'm love stuck, and, and often in our songs, love's kind of talked about this mysterious, um, almost feeling that's out there that we don't have the power over to harness, it's something that just happens, and it's true that that's a type of love, but that's not the type of love that makes for a great marriage. That's not the type of love that makes for a great church. That's not the type of love that makes for a great friendship. You know, that's not the type of love that God has for us, and it's not the type of love that he wants for us to reciprocate to him and to others. Um, that type of love, it's much more tangible. It's much more achievable. It's much more controllable. It's, it's much more choice-driven. It's something that we can engage in every day. This is what uh, it says in John 15. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Basically, that's saying the highest level of love is self-sacrifice. It's to lay down your rights for someone else's blessing. First John 3.16 says this, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. You know, in, uh, in the English language, we've got one word for love. And uh, in, the, in the Greek, which the New Testament's written, there's about seven. And there's four kind of core ones. And so every time one of those Greek words is translated, we, we use the word love for English. But often we don't get the, the full meaning because we've got one word to kind of um, translate seven. And the, the highest form of love is this word called agape which is the love that God has for humanity. And it's the love that he intends for us to reflect back to him and to reflect to others. It's the, it's the highest form of love. And in those scriptures I just read, that's talking about agape love. It's talking about the love of God. And I'm just going to read a quote that kind of explains agape love. It says, agape is unconditional love, the highest form of love, charity, and the love of God for man and intended to be reciprocated man for God. This is in contrast to philia, which is brotherly love, eros, which is erotic love, or philosia, which is self-love, as it embraces a universal, unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstance. 
Agape love is gritty, it's raw, it transcends beyond circumstance, it's not conditional based on performance, it's not conditional based on merit, it's unconditional. Elisa wrote says this, agape is one of several Greek words used for love. When the word agape is used in the Bible, it refers to a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. You see, in contrast to, culture, to, to common culture, love is less defined by emotion and more defined by choice. It's more defined by choice and action, and it makes it accessible for us to choose in our everyday lives. I guess the problem with that is sometimes it's kind of hard. You know, one of the hard things about being a pastor is I prepare these messages during the week, and then I get convicted by the Holy Spirit all week <laughs> about the messages I'm going to be speaking, particularly this one about love. And I'd read over my notes yesterday, and um, actually the Blues were on playing the Chiefs, and I just posted up on the couch and I was really enjoying the game and Ivy was outside crying and Sam was kind of stressed and I kind of had two voices in my head. Um, you should really go out and help Sam, but I'm really enjoying the game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that kind of went back and forth for a very long time, I hate to admit it, but it's kind of where the rubber meets the road, right? It's like when you're in those times where it's like, I, I really want to do this for myself, but actually to choose love, it's not easy. It's to lay down my wants and my comfort and actually go and help. And so I'm on a journey. It's not easy. But the, the thing is, is that we, we first need to understand love to be able to be love. We first need to understand, okay, that's, not, that's what love is. Love just isn't a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's actually a choice that we can engage in um, to, 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 to lay down our rights for someone else's highest good. So we need to know love. The second thing is um, we need to know love on an intellectual level, but we actually need to lo- know love on a relational level. We need to know love on a soul level, on an experiential level, and, and to know love is really to know God. Because in the scripture it says that God is love. He's the essence of love. And uh, we can't really pass on God's love unless we actually know that love, unless we have a relationship with him, unless we uh, experience it. And that comes through actually knowing God. It comes through cultivating our own relationship with God. It comes through sitting with him and spending time with him and learning about his character in the word and and letting his spirit transform us. We're never going to be able to reflect something that we don't know. And so I think our primary pursuit as Christians should always be just to know God, to know God, to have a rich relationship with him, to spend time with him, to know his character, to, to seek after him, because it's one thing to understand things on an intellectual level, but we're not actually going to be able to work that out unless, unless we, we know that, unless that's transforming us. So we need to know God on a relational level. First John 4 says this, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. We love each other because he first loved us. Our ability to love comes from first knowing his love. We cannot love unless we know his love. And that's why it's a lot more powerful actually falling in love with God than trying to be loving. I don't know if you've had it in your life where you're like, man, I just need to be more loving. I just need to love that person. I need to try harder. I need to reflect this character. But actually the most powerful thing to do is just fall in love with God. 
just fall in love with his love, just fall in love with his grace, just fix his eyes on you and out of that it will flow out of you instead of trying to muster something up. To know God is to know love. Ephesians 3 says this, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, as your faith is in him and faith comes by hearing and being with him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We need to know love. You know, because I've been thinking about this, if the essence of God's character is love, and we're his body on earth, we're his temple on earth, we're his ambassadors on earth, we're his people on earth. He's very passionate that his people would reflect his substance. He's very passionate that his people would reflect his character and nature. And actually, he's so passionate about it that in scripture, he, he draws a pretty clear line in First John 4. He says, but anyone who does not love does not know God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It's almost saying the evidence of us knowing God, the evidence of our relationship with God is are we becoming more loving? Are we looking more like him in our character? God is passionate that his love would be displayed through us to the world. I love what Bob Goth says. He's the author of a great book on love. He says this, it's this simple. I want people to meet you and me and feel like they've just met everyone in heaven. We need to be a people of love. And so we need to know love, we need to know it on an intellectual level, we need to know it on a relational level by being with God. And I think something that's also important is we need to recognize that we live in a world with different values, different systems. So we need to recognize the cultural challenges around us of actually becoming love. And I'm just going to spend a bit of time talking about some of those challenges. One of those challenges to becoming love is materialism. Randy Alcorn said this, God created us to love people and use things, but materialists love things and use people. God created us to love people and use things, but materialists love things and use people. Our motivation should always be, how can I best love this person right in front of me? How can I best love God? Um, because sadly, the thing is, in church, we can fall into the same trap. We can, we can look to get something from people instead of loving them. We can look to use people instead of loving them. So to keep our vision pure, we need to make sure that love is always the highest value. Another challenge is individualism. We live in like quite an individualistic culture, particularly uh, here in the, in the West. And when we see someone uh, as a him or as a her or as a they, it's much easier to walk past someone suffering when they're labelled a him or a her or a they than if they're labelled us. It's much easier to not be moved to action if we've given someone that title of that's them and this is me instead of this is us, you know. And I believe like God's will is that we're his creation, we're his humanity, we're his people here on earth. And when we start seeing people more as us than as him or her, we can start to actually engage and, and be moved to action when people are, are suffering. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, and the, the famous story where he unpacked what does neighbor actually mean, it was the parable of the Good Samaritan. Where the, where the young religious lawyer said, well, who's my neighbor trying to justify himself? And he, he told a story. Uh, he said a man uh, was beaten and stripped and, and lay hurting on the road and three people walked past them. One was a, a priest who was a religious leader who would have known God, but he walked straight past the person. The next was a Levite who again would have had a knowledge of God, 
but he walked straight past the person. And a Samaritan who was an outcast to the Jews, he was the one that had compassion. He was the one that had mercy. He was the one that dressed the person's wounds. And he asked the guy, who, who was the neighbor? And he said, it was the one that had mercy. And so I think we need, to, we need to see people as us because it moves us to compassion, see people as our neighbors. You know, another challenge to love is this idea of tolerance. You know, a common idea in our culture is to love is just to tolerate. To love is to agree or affirm. To love is to tolerate uh, anyone else's viewpoint regardless of the consequences. But the reality is sometimes love is opposing things. Sometimes love is taking a stand. Sometimes love is drawing a line. Sometimes love is speaking up. Dallas Willard says this, Loving an enemy who may be our neighbor is, do it, is to do what is in our power for their good. But sometimes love means opposing what they want. We learn how to do this as we hear from God about it. You know, another challenge is uh, insecurity. You know, one thing that can really stop us loving people is insecurity. And I've experienced this in my own life, that when we're insecure, we start to become more concerned about people's perception of us than actually loving them. We can start to become more concerned about being approved or being liked or being included than actually doing what's the most loving thing for them. Um, you know, and that, that insecurity goes when we know the love of God, when we know his unconditional acceptance, where we know that our value comes from him because we stop needing things from other people so we're actually free just to really love them because we don't need approval, we don't need validation. I, I love what Rick Warren says. He says, when we minister out of love, we'll never fail, because it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. So if love is our motive, we're never going to be seen as a failure. A final challenge that stops us loving is, is role confusion. Sometimes uh, we get confused over what our role is on earth and we can start to try to play God and when we start to try to play God we can try to manipulate and control people and, and judge people but God's given us a clear role around what our role is here on earth. Billy Graham said this, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. The Holy Spirit is the one that has to bring uh, conviction to a person's life so we can rest assured that we don't need to manipulate people we don't need to control people. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's not our job to judge. God said we'll be used with the same measure we judge. It's God's job to judge, and it's my job to love. No, God calls us to love, so we need to be clear on our role. So I'll just invite the worship team to come back up, um, and I just want to recap where, where we've been this morning. You know, if we want our lives to count in heaven, if we want our lives to count, we need to be clear about becoming love because if we're not becoming love, we can make a whole lot of noise. We can, we can do a whole lot of things, but as Paul says, we can just be like symbols. We can just be like gongs. We can have lives that become nothing or count for nothing, but when love is our motive, when, when we have a pure motive, it, it does count. You know, Having a clear definition of love, knowing what biblical love is, enables us to choose it. It enables us to be like, I know that's what love is, so I'm empowered to choose it. You know, in order to know love, we must foster our relationship with God. We're never going to be able to, 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 to love if we don't know love, if we're not with love, if we're not letting love transform us, if we're not letting him shape us and, and form us. So our relationship with God has to take priority, and that's part of our vision, becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus. You know, the church for 2,000 years, they've practiced spiritual disciplines. 
It hasn't just been going on a Sunday and singing a few songs. It's the people that are allowing the Holy Spirit to form them through reading the Word, through being in prayer, through being in solitude, through being in community. And we need to allow God to mold us because we can't become love if we don't know love. And finally, we, when we stay focused on love, we, we accurately reflect God to our world. We accurately reflect his substance. We accurately reflect his character. We safeguard ourselves from going out on a tangent and trying to accomplish things from God without the character or the substance of the motive of God. So when, we, when we're focused on love, we can begin to reflect him to the world. And, you know, Jesus, I said this a couple of weeks ago, but when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself so yeah just as we come to a close this morning um, I just encourage you to take that away with you maybe think what's my next step in that what's my next step for becoming love what maybe has something I've talked to you about has has struck something with you maybe for you it's it's actually getting back to that clear definition of love okay love is actually self-sacrifice and in those moments where we feel that tension of uh, lifting our rights actually beginning to lay them down maybe for you it's actually starting to cultivate a relationship with God a a personal relationship carving out some time in your week taking some small steps or maybe it's just yeah maybe the Holy Spirit's talking to something unique to you but let's not go away and and uh, not let the Holy Spirit speak to us about what our next step is and I just want to finish this morning um, with communion actually and uh, I love communion because it it brings everything back to the centre It brings everything back to the reason we gather. It brings everything back to the cross. It brings everything back to Jesus' sacrifice. It's a visual reminder of his love, and it's a time where we sit as a community and we reflect on our common union in Christ and we actually hold those emblems. And as we hold those emblems this morning, I just actually want you to um, just remember the cost. Remember his body that was broken. You know, I learned a little bit about that, that when they would have their backslash, they would get 13 one way, 13 the other way, and 13 down the middle because if they kept doing it one way, their whole body would fall apart. You know, he was beaten, he was bruised, he, he suffered, and it was all for love. You know, and remember that blood that he poured it out for you gladly, you know, for a new covenant that we would have peace with God. And so in this moment, just... I encourage you to reflect on that and reflect on that at a personal level that God loves you, that he wants to know you, that he he wants to know me and that he wants to be with us. And um, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us in this moment too. So if you're ready, if you'd like to today, if you'd prefer not to with um, just the things going on and with COVID and that, that's fine. But if you'd like to partake in communion today, there's Julie's here up the front and Ailey and Sylvia are at the back, so I just invite you in your own time to to grab communion and um, we're going to finish by um, singing a song together.